We learnt in the first three episodes of this podcast that in principle anybody can read from the Torah. Torah reading is gender neutral and age neutral, even status neutral. A woman, a child and a slave are all eligible to read from the Torah on Shabbat. However, the sages qualified these rulings by stating that a woman's reading infringed kavod hatzibur, respect for the public. Perhaps the best way to revise or to consolidate these messages will be to look at two modern responsa, two modern shuvot, one from the land of Israel and one from the United States, written by the two leading halachic authorities of the last century, Rabbi Moshe Feinstein and Chacham Ovadia Yosef. Let's begin with Moshe Feinstein in the Igrot Moshe. The Igrot Moshe is addressing the question of a bar mitzvah boy who has mistakenly learnt the wrong Pasha. This must be a very common occurrence in diaspora communities to, today. The bar mitzvah boy has learnt the wrong Pasha. The Pasha he has learnt will come out before his 13th birthday. Is he allowed to read the Pasha that he's learnt before he reaches puberty, before he reaches the age of 13? Or will he be forced to abandon what might be a year's work and to learn a new Pasha? Now, the Igrot Moshe will eventually allow him to read before the age of 13. But as he explains his reasoning, he tells us a little bit about the nature of Torah reading. And he begins, Thus, we can easily understand why a minor can be called up and the community fulfills its obligation from his reading. And similarly, a woman. Four, even though she's not obliged to hear the reading of the Torah, and could not fulfill another person's obligations in the case of any other similar mitzvah. For in this case, the hearers don't fulfill their obligation via the reader, but rather their own hearing is the mitzvah itself, and this the listeners do themselves. In other words, the Igrot Moshe is drawing a fundamental distinction between the mitzvah of Torah reading and any other mitzvah. Let's take, for example, sitting in the sukkah. If you had a slave, now there are no slaves in 20th century New York. That's why the Igrot Moshe hasn't mentioned slaves in his list of categories of those who can read from the Torah. But we know from the Yerushalmi that a slave can read from the Torah. But let's say you're sitting in your sukkah and the slave 
recites the blessing Asher Kirshalom Mitzvotavet Sivanu Leishev Basuka. The slave recites the blessing over sitting in the sukkah. Now, the slave is not obliged to sit in the sukkah. And so we cannot say Amen to his blessing and consider that we have recited the blessing ourselves. We need to recite the blessing ourselves. We can't rely on that of the slave. But for Torah reading, it's completely different. A slave can read Torah, or a woman, or a child. We are performing the mitzvah by hearing from them. The mitzvah lies in our own hearing rather than in their reading. Perhaps the best analogy will be to think about a... Um, a Talmud class, a Talmud class given by a child or a woman to a bunch, to a group of men. Now, all those men are obligated in the mitzvah of Talmud Torah every day. Perhaps the child or the woman giving the class is not obligated. And yet no one would believe that the group of men listening to that class did not fulfill the mitzvah of Talmud Torah by participating in it. Because the mitzvah is performed by their hearing, their understanding, not by the speaker. That's the Igrot Moshe. Let's then move across the water to the land of Israel to Chacham Ovadia Yosef. And Chacham Ovadia is addressing a different question, but one which is also relevant to the question of a woman's Torah reading. He's addressing the question of whether women are obliged to give thanks for deliverance, whether they recite to be a katal gomel, the blessing of deliverance, after childbirth or after recovering from illness. And of the distinctive feature about Birkat Gomel, the blessing of thanksgiving, is that it must be delivered in public. It needs to be delivered in a minyan. It cannot be delivered in private. And so Chacham Ovadia is going to raise the question of whether the woman in question should go to shul and raise her voice in public to recite the blessing. And of course, he's going to rule that she must do so. But he needs to prove that this is possible. And he adds at the end of his tshuvah, One should add that there's no need to be anxious about the idea that a woman's singing voice is nakedness in a place where there is fear of heaven. In other words, a place like a synagogue, where there is fear of heaven, where there's eimata de shechina, ein lachush, we don't have to be anxious about a woman raising her singing voice. And then he explains, we bring in support of this idea, the idea that we're not afraid of women's voices. We bring in support of this idea, we're gonna prove in support of this idea, from the saying in the Talmud in Megillah, Hakol Olin Leminyan Shiva of Afilu Isha, all can be included in the quorum of seven called upon Shabbat, even a woman. 
And then he goes on to say, The sages said that a woman shouldn't read from the Torah because of respect for the public. And then he's going to quote Rabbi Jacob Emden in the Shelot Yabetz. Rabbi Jacob Emden wrote in the first part of this saying, even a woman, i.e. even a woman can, can, can be called, could be counted among the seven. Even a woman, that applies when seven men qualified to read cannot be found. But where there is a qualified woman and it is not possible to read from the Torah without her, then effectively she must read. And Chacham Ovadia goes on to say the second part of this saying, restricting her reading, refers to an occasion when seven qualified men are present and therefore a woman should not read from the Torah because of respect for the public. And he then refers to the Mordechai, who writes that respect for the public is set aside and a woman is called to the Torah when there is no alternative. We'll study in the next episode of the podcast whether the public has a right to set aside its respect when required. And then Chacham Ovadia goes on. How could they allow a woman to be called up to read from the Torah with the musical intonation, with the Torah singing notes? Surely this is like a woman's voice raised in song. And we are forced to say, we are obliged to say, he continues, that they permitted a woman to read in public when seven expert men were not available to read because in a place where God's presence dwells, in a place where God's presence resides, Lo chashashu chachamim lahirhur. The sages did not fear for lustful thoughts. Now, this is not to say that Chacham Ovadia would have permitted women's aliyot or women's Torah reading. He states elsewhere in his writing that he absolutely forbids women's aliyot because he's afraid that they look like reform. However, he does appear to concede the possibility in principle and he uses the example of women's Torah reading to prove to his readers that a woman is allowed to raise her voice in the synagogue. Now we might ask, if she's allowed to raise her voice in the synagogue, even with the restriction of the sages, that a woman should not read from the Torah in public because of kavod hatzibur, because of respect for the public. Today, when most people who are called to the Torah do not read, but merely recite the brachot, just like a woman might recite the bracha of thanksgiving, the blessing of thanksgiving, might a woman be allowed by the Shulchan Aruch to be called to the Torah to recite the blessings of the Torah over the Torah reading. In other words, to be called to, to the Torah as one of the seven on Shabbat. Let's look at the Shulchan Aruch, whose words are, are very, very interesting. Everyone counts towards the quorum of seven. 
although the Shulchan Aruch uses the word Hakol Olim, everyone goes up. Maybe in the language of the Talmud, maybe this in the language of the Talmud, this refers to being counted, being included. But the Shulchan Aruch is writing in the era of the Baal Koreh. He's writing at a time when to be called to the Torah didn't mean to read, but just meant to recite the brachot. And in the time of the Shulchan Aruch, the term Aliyah meant to go up to the Torah. So perhaps the Shulchan Aruch means, when he says a kol olim, perhaps he means everyone can receive an Aliyah. We don't know. But he goes on to say, Afilu isha vekatan Even a woman and a child who knows to whom the blessing is addressed. This language, a child who knows to whom the blessing is addressed, is picked up from Maimonides. It is not in the Tur, which is the foundation document of the Shulchan Aruch, and it is not in the Talmud. It's effectively, it's, it's an addition to the Shulchan Aruch. Now, Maimonides requires that the child should know how to read and should know to whom the blessing is addressed. The Shulchan Aruch does not require that the child knows how to read. He merely requires that the child knows to whom the blessing is addressed. Katan a child who knows to whom the blessing is addressed. So perhaps this is a hint that the Shulchan Aruch, when he's saying a woman or a child may be called up, is referring to the call up that we have today, the recital of the brachot. And of course, in that sense, the set, his his next words, but a woman, the sages have said that a woman shouldn't read in public because of the respect due to the public. Maybe that refers to the Torah reader rather than to the, the reciter of the brachot. We don't know. We need to say that the language of the Shulchan Aruch is ambiguous. However, this is not the case for the commentators. It's clear, for example, from the Magin Avraham, that he refers to the Shulchan Aruch as referring to an aliyah rather than to a reading. Because the Magin Avraham, one of the primary commentators on the Shulchan Aruch, when he sees the word katan, child says, child, declares a child should not read for the community until he reaches puberty and the Magin Avraham then explains that if he is a Kohen and there's no adult Kohen we would call the child for the first Aliyah as Kohen in other words that we call him to recite the Barachot but not to read from the Torah and then the Magen Avraham then goes on to say, We learn from here that a woman is obliged to hear the Torah reading. From here are his words. We learn from here. What, where from here is the Magen Avraham learning? It would seem 
Or we might think he's learning from the fact that the woman can receive an aliyah. Anyone can receive one of the seven aliyot, afilu isha, even a woman. We learn from here that a woman is obliged to hear the Torah reading. That's the Magen Avraham. Let's go now to the Ramah. The Ramah is Rabbi Moshe Isselis, and he is the leading Ashkenazi commentator on the Shulchan Aruch. I would say that it is due to his comments on the Shulchan Aruch, which are actually printed in the body of the text. They're not printed around the edge as, as um, commentary, they're printed in the body of the text. And it's due to his glosses on the Shulchan Aruch that Shulchan Aruch was accepted in the world of Ashkenaz, in Western European Jewry, because its author, Rabbi Joseph Caro, came from the East. He's a Sephardi. And the Shulchan Aruch generally is a Sephardi document. It's because of the glosses of the Ramah of Rabbi Moshe Isselis that put an Ashkenaz lens on the Shulchan Aruch that the Shulchan Aruch becomes universally, becomes accepted both in Ashkenaz and in Sephardi. And the words of Ramah are very, very instructive. In commenting on the words of the Shulchan Aruch, everyone counts towards the quorum of seven, or everyone is given a leah among the seven. He says, These would specifically be among those called up. His words are completely unambiguous. He's referring here to call-ups, not to reading. And then he goes on to say, They should not all be women or children. The Ramah is not talking about the Torah reader. He's talking about those called up, and he's saying they should not all be women or children. In other words, the Ramah is saying, look, up to six of the seven aliyot on Shabbat could be given to women. Where does this come from? Where is the Ramah getting this idea from? The Ramah is quoting Rabbi Nisim of Garona, the Ram, who himself is commenting on the riff Rav Al-Fas on the Talmud in Megillah 23a. And the Ran says there, Everyone counts towards the quorum of seven, even a woman and even a child. And the Ran now is talking before the time of the Baal Kore. Or he, he's, his mind is in the Talmud at any rate. And he explains, Pirush, or Lin, the meaning of counts towards is that they may complete the seven, but not all of the seven should be women or children. For, because they are not obliged, they do not entirely fulfill the obligations of others. This is a new idea from the Ran. He's saying, look, the Talmud in principle suggests that women or children can read, but 
there's something not quite complete in their reading. We don't want all of the readers to be women or children. And then he explains, Ulufum ikar dina nami According to the original law, the source of the law, and the Talmud, by the way, describes this in the in Megillah. According to the original practice, only the opening and the closing readers said the blessings. In other words, we would call seven people on Shabbat to read, but only the first one would say the opening blessing over the Torah reading, and the last one would say the closing blessing. And the middle readers would not say any blessing at all. And the Ran continues, At that time, a woman or a minor could neither read the first portion nor the last one because their blessings could not fulfill the obligations of the others. Umihu hashta. But now, he continues, now that the rabbis have ordained that all should recite the blessings. And he's referring here to a discussion in the Talmud in Megillah in which the rabbis express an anxiety that someone might come late to synagogue or might leave early. If they come late, they might think that Torah can be read without a bracha at the beginning. And if they leave early, they might think that Torah can be read without a bracha at the end. So the rabbis instituted a bracha before and after each one of the seven Torah readings. Very, very interesting. The rabbis are normally very careful not to add additional brachot. It's one of the, the Ten Commandments, not to take the name of God in vain. The, the rabbis are very careful about adding additional brachot, but they seem in this case to be even more fearful about the idea that someone might think you could recite a Torah reading without a blessing. So they've instituted additional blessings. And the Ran then continues, in any case, or he, now that the rabbis have ordained that all should recite the blessings, a woman or a child can read even the first and the last portions. And because they read, of course they say the blessings, just as a child says the blessings when reading the Haftarah. There's a sense of immediacy about the words of the Ran. Umihu. In any case, now the rabbis have ordained that all should recite the blessings. A woman or a child can read even the first and last portions. The run is qualifying the ability of a woman or a child to read. He's saying, look, please make sure you have at least one adult man carrying out the Torah reading. But he's making clear, he's emphasizing that up to six of the other Torahis could be women or children. And this is the idea picked up by the Ramah in the Shulchan Aruch, in the code of Jewish law that we all follow today. These would be among those called up, but they should not all be women or children, i.e., that according to the Shulchan Aruch, up to six of the seven aliyot on Shabbat could be given to women or children.